Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Having trained more than 24,000 vets. Helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio, it's Pet Talk Today with Will Bangura. Answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Yeah, this is a story of famous dog. For the dog that chases his tail, we'll be busy. Do the dog catch a baby, do the dog catch a dog. Good Saturday morning. It's January 9th, 2021. That's right. Happy New Year to everybody. Thanks for tuning in and letting us be part of your Saturday morning. I'm Will Bangura, and you are listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Do you have a crazy cat or an out-of-control dog that desperately needs some training and behavior help? Are you fed up? With your pet just not listening. Well, that's what we do here on Pet Talk today. I'm here to help you deal with all of your pet behavior problems. Call me right now and learn how to correct those unwanted behaviors. Pick up your phone and give me a call. If you're in Phoenix or the surrounding area, the number to call is 602-277-5369. That's 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix, you can call us toll-free at 866-536-1100. Hey, it's been, what, two weeks and we finally have Brittany back. Welcome back. Thanks. It feels like it's been a long time. Yeah. How, how was your, how was your time away? What were you doing? It was good. I got to spend a lot of quality time with my family that lives in California safely, of course. So that was nice and fun. Spend time with my dogs. Yeah. How was your New Year's? It was relaxing. We didn't do a whole lot. Heard a lot of fireworks. Yeah. How were your dogs with the fireworks? Surprisingly, my dogs are actually okay. Yeah, they did pretty good. They yeah. did. Last, uh, uh, well, no, well, not, uh, I'm trying to think, was it last week? No, the week before, because we took off last week. We had a, we had a rerun last week for, mm-hmm. it was uh, the day after New Year's. But the show before, um, which I think it was December 26. I, I talked about fireworks. I talked about dogs that, you know, have, uh, sound sensitivities and, and what you can do to help them. Um, so yeah, unfortunately there probably were, um, a lot of, a lot of dogs that really had a difficult time. Um, this was I'm trying to think, was it the first time? There were fireworks before at my house once before for for my new dog Boo, my my little miniature Schnauzer. But uh, there were an unbelievable amount on mm. New Year's, and they were loud. I mean, really, really loud. Yeah. Um. And and while she's not had problems before, she struggled a little bit. Oh. Yeah. Not not horrible though, you mm. know. And. Um, I gave her something to help calm her down and, and that's okay to do folks when, when you've got a situation that's intermittent, it only happens on occasion like firework fears, phobias. Um, yeah, you, you can, you can give medication, talk to your vet about that or a supplement that might help relax and calm down, uh, your pets. But anyway, I thought it was interesting because one of the rooms where there's, where it's really quiet. Mm-hmm. Is in our pantry. We got this big pantry, mm-hmm. and it's loaded. I mean, it's full of. It's a full pantry. <laughs> we're not. We're not going to starve. Let's, yeah. let's put it that way. 
And she ended up walking in there on her own. And I was like, my baby's so smart. You know, we all want to think our, our, our pets are like, you know, brilliant. They know mine's got a 200 IQ or something. Yep. Um, but yeah, she went into the pantry, which was much quieter than anywhere else, did it on her own. And I thought, how cool. So, uh, my wife, yeah, but so my wife got a blanket, went in there with her. We all Mm. went in there together and we had a good old time. How sweet. Listening to muffled fireworks. Right. Um, so anyway, um, today we are going to be taking your calls and answering your questions. We might get to some, uh, email calls or excuse me, emails, answer some emails that we have. Um, and if we've got time, I'm going to be talking a little bit about marker training. What is marker training? Um, it's a communication system, uh, with your pet. Um, it allows you to be able to communicate very clearly and effectively with your pet what it is that you wanted them to do, to be able to allow them to understand, hey, yeah, this is what I want you to do, and this is what gives you a reward. Um, and we'll talk more about why that is uh, so important. But right now, it is time for Pet Talk News. And today in Pet Talk News, we're going to start with the state of Michigan has passed a law allowing veterinarians to consult with pet owners on using marijuana or hemp, including CBD products for their animals. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed HB 5085 into law in late December of 2020. According to a legislative analysis of the new law, veterinarians were previously unable to consult with pet owners on the use of marijuana or hemp. This law would open up their freedom to either recommend or advise against giving animals cannabis in various forms. The current restriction on veterinarians' ability to discuss the benefits as well as the risks of treatment for pets derived from marijuana or industrial hemp results in incomplete and inadequate pet health care, the legislative analysis says. Allowing veterinarians to become a trusted source of information in a marketplace with many competing and confusing claims would ultimately benefit both pets, health, and their owner's peace of mind. Michigan's law currently bans selling CBD animal and pet feed products, including pet treats. However, residents in the state can add CBD products like oils to their pet's food, according to the Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. The agency notes that safe levels for animal consumption have not been established. A report released in February of 2020 by Nielsen, a global data analytics company and headset a data and analytics service provider for the legal cannabis industry showed projected growth in the pet cbd market the report found that hemp-based cbd pet products will represent three to five percent of all hemp cbd sales in the u.s by 2025 other findings from that report include 74 percent of cbd consumers have pets Pet products have accounted for nearly 10 million in sales at regulated adult use cannabis retailers in California, Colorado, Nevada, and Washington combined. Quarter one of 2008 through quarter three of 2019. The average price per pound 
for CBD dog treats is twice that of the average dog treat, but one in four pet owners uses hemp CBD either for themselves, their pets, or for both. In our next article, pet store employee clings to alleged dog nappers car hood as they flee. That's right, we've got a hero in Texas. A Texas pet store employee clung onto the hood of a woman's car after chasing her for allegedly stealing a bulldog from the shop, authorities said. Allie James, 21, was working at Bully Camp in Harris County on November 4th when a couple entered the shop to ask about buying a dog. Suspect Roshana King and a man were looking at a seven-month-old exotic bulldog named Chica and then snatched the $10,000 dog from the counter while James ran upstairs to look for mail, court records obtained by the outlet shows. When James returned, the dog was gone. James then ran out of the shop and managed to track down the couple to their car. The unidentified man then hit James and tried to run her over, but she jumped on the car's hood to avoid getting struck. Just leave the dog! Just leave the dog! James yelled at the couple, according to court records. Video obtained by the Houston Chronicle shows the couple swerving past traffic on Interstate 45 as James hangs on tightly on the hood. When the car pulled over, the couple assaulted James by hitting and scratching her in the face before speeding off with the bulldog. Last Wednesday, cops arrested King and charged her with aggravated battery involving a deadly weapon in connection with the November dog burglary. She was jailed on $15,000 of bond, according to the outlet. The man and dog's whereabouts remain unknown. Police continue to investigate the incident. We need to go ahead and take a break and hear from our sponsors. But when we come back, we will be taking your calls and answering your questions. If you've got a problem with your dog or cat, give us a call. That number to call us is 602-769-5369. That's 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix, call us toll free at 866-536-1100. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies. Answering questions, some even ridiculous. And taking your calls, it's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free 866-536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Oh, 
come my dog don't bark when How come my dog doesn't bark when you come around? I'm Will Bangura and you are listening to Pet Talk today on 1100 KFNX where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Do you have a crazy cat or an out-of-control dog that desperately needs some training and behavior help? Are you fed up with your pet just not listening? Well, that's what we do here on Pet Talk today. I'm here to help you deal with all of your pet behavior problems. Call me right now. Learn how to correct those unwanted behaviors. Pick up your phone. Give me a call. If you're in Phoenix or the surrounding area, the number to call is 602-277-KFNX. That's 602-277-5369. Those outside of Phoenix, you can call me toll-free. That number is 866-536-1100. Before we went to break, um, I was in Pet Talk News, we were talking a little bit about CBD. And I, this is a good time to talk a little bit about CBD because um, – a lot of people out there are giving CBD products to their pets and for various reasons. Um, the thing that I want to mention is what's real? What can you believe about the claims being made with CBD and, and what are false claims or what don't we know yet? So, you know, a lot of people that that I talk to and helping them with their pets because they do have a lot of anxiety. They do have a lot of fears. There's a lot of people using quote unquote CBD or hemp oil or hemp powder or hemp seed oil uh, to help their dogs with anxiety. And folks, unfortunately, I'm here to tell you there's absolutely no scientific proof whatsoever that CBD, hemp oil, hemp seed oil, or hemp powder helps with anxiety. Now, it helps a lot with inflammation, and it helps if you've got acne and other skin issues. But if you think that giving your dog CBD or hemp oil, hemp seed oil, hemp powder, hemp anything, it's not going to help your dog with anxiety. And, and and there's a lot of people out there that are very confused, and I get it. You know why? Because there's dozens and dozens and dozens of unscrupulous marketers out there selling CBD products, making unsubstantiated claims to dog owners. There is a calming aid. There's hundreds of calming aids out there, and a lot of them are putting hemp seed oil or hemp oil in it. And and people are like, yeah, it's going to calm my dog. No, it's not. It is not going to calm your dog. So don't waste your money. There's no science behind it. Oh, there's anecdotal stories, you know, but a lot of that placebo effect. You know, you give your dog something, you think, you know, it's going to help your dog. And all of a sudden you start reading into the dog's behavior. Oh, yeah, I think Fluffy's a little bit calmer, <laughs> just a little bit calmer. But anyway, um, do your own research. Check out uh, whether or not uh, hemp or, or CBD uh, will help with anxiety. And I think you're going to be surprised. Unfortunately, uh, the laws in marketing, pretty much anybody can make any claim, especially when we're dealing with uh, pet products. You know, that that's the downside of it. Um, next, I want to talk a little bit about marker training. Um, marker training is 
or having a marker system in training is probably one of the most important things you can do to be successful in, in training and to be successful in being able to communicate with your pet. So what is a marker system? Well, a marker is just something that identifies to your pet that when they get that marker, that signals to them that they're going to get a high-value reward, whether that be a toy, whether that be food, um, and usually it's food. Okay, But what we do, a lot of people are using clickers as markers, or a lot of people are using the word yes as a marker. But a lot of people, when they hear about clicker training, which is marker training, just that the clicker is the particular marker in that marker training, a lot of people don't understand how this all works. So the clicker, let's say we're using a clicker for marker training. The clicker has no value, has no power in and of itself. It's just a sound. Kind of like that. That's not a real clicker. I should have brought a <laughs> clicker with me today. Um, but that sound means nothing. However, we create an association with that clicking sound. And the association that we create to that clicking sound is high-value food. So... What we do in the beginning is click, give a treat, click, give a treat, click, give a treat, click, give a treat, click, give a treat. We're conditioning the pet, whether it be a dog, whether it be a cat, to understand that click, when they hear it, means you're going to get a treat. So we do that for about three or four days with 30 very, very small, little, tiny, but very high value food rewards. We click, give the treat. Wait for them to finish eating that, click, give another treat. Wait for them to finish eating it, click, give another treat. Do that 30 times in a row. Do that for about three days. Now, on day four, we want to test and see, does the dog, does the cat understand that that click means they're getting a treat? we got to test it. We've conditioned and trained the dog that click means treat. So on day four... Just out of the blue, if your cat or your dog is near you, not sleeping, they need to be awake near you, they need to be able to hear the clicker, but they're not necessarily looking at you, um, they're not engaged with you because, you know, you haven't been doing the click-treat game or conditioning at that moment. You did it the first three days, you didn't do it on day four, but day four, you're going to test it. Out of the blue, at a random time, you're going to give a click. Does your cat... Does your dog come running to you when it hears the click to get its food reward? Now, if it does, hey, that's proof that your cat or your dog understands click means treat. If they don't come running, you need to start that process over again. You need to do more conditioning. Also, watch your timing. Make sure that you've got those treats in your hand, very close to you, and you click immediately, put it in the dog or cat's mouth. Click, give them a treat. Click, give them a treat. Really fast. Now, one of the reasons we do marker training, use clickers, use markers in training, is because timing is one of the most important things in training animals. You literally have zero to a half a second to reward an animal from the time that they engage in a behavior getting that food in their mouth within zero to a half a second for that animal to connect the dots and understand, hey, the reason I'm getting this food reward is because I sat. 
if if the dog sat and you clicked, they understand. That click means I'm getting a food reward. We might be late getting food in the dog's mouth. Maybe they're sitting 20 feet away from us, right? And as soon as they sit, well, it might take us several seconds to walk over to the dog and give it a food reward. Well, I just told you, if you don't get that food in their mouth within zero to a half a second, they're not going to connect the dots that the reason that they got the food was because they sat. I don't care if they sit and you give them food two seconds after they sat. They're going to love the food if they're food motivated. But they're not going to understand the reason they got the food was because they sat, because the timing was off. You've got zero to a half a second. So what that clicker does, okay, it's a bridge to the food. It's a communication signal that food is coming, and it allows us to be able to signal and communicate that to the animal instantly. Because, again, I'll use the example. Your dog sits 20 feet away from you. Well, you can't get to your dog within zero to a half a second to get the food in its mouth when your dog sits 20 feet away from you. But what you can do instantly is as soon as your dog's rear end hits the ground, you can click that clicker. Now that buys you a little bit of time. If it takes you two, three, four seconds to get the food in your dog's mouth, it's okay because they understand that when you clicked, when their rear end hit the ground, boom, they know exactly what's going on. Oh, I'm getting a treat. You can't do that if you haven't conditioned a marker. Some people use a click, click, treat, click, treat, click, treat till the dog's conditioned or the cat's conditioned. Some people use the word yes. Same thing. You would do yes, treat, yes, treat, yes, treat 30 times in a row for three or four days. Day four, check it out, test it, see if your dog understands it. We need to take a break. We need to go to news. But when we come back, we will be taking your calls. If you've got a problem with a cat or a dog, give us a call at 602-277-5369. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after the news. Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies. Answering questions, some even ridiculous. And taking your calls. It's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free 866-536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Mangura. Who let the dogs out? Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangura. You are listening to Pet Talk today on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Do you have a crazy cat or an out-of-control dog that 
desperately need some training and behavior help? Are you fed up with your pet just not listening? Well, that's what we do here on Pet Talk today. I'm here to help you deal with all of your pet behavior and training problems. Call me right now. Learn how to correct those unwanted behaviors. Pick up your phone. Give me a call. If you're in Phoenix or the surrounding area, the number to call is 602-277-KFNX. That number again is 602-277-5369. If you're outside of Phoenix, go ahead and give us a call toll-free. That number is 866-536-1100. And it looks like we do have a caller on the line right now. We have Ada in Sun Lakes. Ada in Sun Lakes. Welcome, Ada. Thanks for calling. How can we help you? Oh, thank you. I have barkers. They seem to bark when we're not home. Um, I can control them a little when I'm home, uh-huh. but when my husband comes home, all chaos. They all start barking, and all it takes is one to start, and sure. then the other two will start. How do I control them? That's a great question, and, and I appreciate that because we get a lot of people that call in. Barking and excessive barking, nuisance barking, that's probably one of the biggest complaints that we hear. Um, get on the Internet, you start taking a look at dog problems. You're going to see that's one of the biggest ones. Um, let me talk about one thing first because it's a whole different issue when you have one dog in the house where there's problems barking versus when you've got multiple dogs in the house that have problems with excessive barking. The first thing I need to say is when you've got multiple dogs in the house with excessive barking, you have to work with one dog at a time. You have to work with one dog and successfully teach that dog a command such as quiet and that they learn when you say quiet, they need to be quiet. Okay, You need to work that with one dog, get success with that one dog. Then you can work the same program with the second dog. And once you've got success with that second dog, then you can go ahead and work that same program with the third dog. But when people have multiple dogs, one of the biggest problems they have is they're trying to correct them all at the same time. And I don't know, Ada, if you were listening before um, we went to news, but I was talking about marker training and I was talking about clicker training and talking about the importance of timing. Well, yeah. just like we've got zero to a half a second to pair a reward for a behavior, we've got zero to a half a second to pair a correction with an unwanted behavior. Really difficult to correct multiple dogs at the same time and, and have them understand that we're communicating, you know, to all of them. And the problem is, is that let's say that you correct them all at the same time and then one stops, but two continue and then you correct again. Well, what happens to the dog that stopped? Right? The communication gets really garbled and confusing and mixed up. And that's why we got to work with one dog at a time. Now, There are two things that need to happen with most all behavior problems, and that includes excessive barking, and that is reactively correcting the problem. And the second thing is to proactively teach the dog what quiet is, okay? Mm -hmm. And where a lot of people go wrong is we're real good at, you know, 
reactively trying to correct the dog, right? Your husband comes home, dogs go nuts. And what are you doing, Ada, when the dogs are going nuts and your husband comes home? I usually start yelling at them to be quiet. (laughs) Exactly. We start yelling at them to be quiet. So what are we doing? Are we not barking barking with them, right? So your husband comes home, the dogs go crazy, you start going crazy, and like, yes, even mom's excited to see dad, okay? So one of the things we need to do is stop barking with the dogs, okay? And and making all that vocalization for a barking problem is not the best way to deal with it, okay? (laughs) Now, I've talked many times on the show about the difference between a correction, and an interruption. Most pet owners, when their pets have a behavior problem, are not correcting the dog, they're interrupting the behavior. Let me talk about what the difference is. Corrections are somewhat unpleasant. They're somewhat unpleasant, and when they're paired with the behavior we don't want, the animal begins to understand that, hey, if I engage in that, well, in your case, excessive barking, something unpleasant happens each and every time. And therefore, I start learning not to do that. Okay. Now, there's a lot of trainers out there, the ones that tout themselves as total positive reinforcement, reinforcement only trainers. They'll tell you, just ignore the dogs. Just ignore them that somehow you must be reinforcing them. If you ignore them, the behavior will extinguish. Have you tried that, Ada? Yes, we have. That's right. That's right. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work, does it? No. Right. And I try to tell people it sounds good in theory, but it doesn't work. And, you know, I don't have 10 years to hope that maybe if I ignore the dogs for 10 years, they'll finally maybe get it. Okay. So let's talk about what we need to do proactively and what we need to do reactively. So the first thing that I like to do is proactively teach the dog. Why? Why proactively? Meaning that we're going to create the situation to get the dogs barking on purpose, to give us an opportunity to teach and to train the dogs that when I say quiet, They need to stop vocalizing. And the reason we want to be proactively doing that on purpose is because one of the other things, besides timing being one of the most important things, is consistency and repetition. And sometimes animals will engage in behaviors too infrequently, or if it only happens once a day for a brief moment, we don't have enough Repetition going on and on and on and on again for the animal to learn. So we're going to proactively create a situation to get the dogs barking. And remember, we're going to work with one dog at a time. <clears throat> now, they can all be out when you do this, but we're going to work with one dog at a time to begin with. So let's say we pick dog A, okay? Dog A is going to have a leash and a collar on, okay? Um, what kind of dogs do you have? Mountain curs. Okay. Do you keep collars on your dogs? Yes. In the house? Okay. So you're going to put a leash on the dog. And what you need to do is let them drag that leash. As soon as you get up in the morning, put the leash on the dog. Keep the leash on the dog at all times except when 
you cannot supervise the dog. The leash needs to come off so they don't get hung up somewhere. Okay. And never put a leash on the dog in the co- in in a crate. And if you leave the house, you can't supervise. Take the leash off. You go to sleep. Take the leash off. Okay. But the reason for the leash is we need a tool to help us give a little bit of an unpleasant consequence. Okay. And what we're going to do is we're going to create a situation to get that dog barking. And as soon as the dog begins to bark, we are going to put gentle, slow, upward pressure, pulling up on the leash straight up into the air. We want to make sure that it's as uh, vertical as possible. You are going to come down low on the leash, close to the dog's collar. You're going to lift up slowly only to the point where your dog's front paws are just slightly up off the ground. Oh, okay. While you're doing that, you're going to be calmly, and that's critical, calmly. You're going to calmly say, quiet, 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 while you're giving that upward pressure, while your dog's front paws are just slightly up off the ground, okay? Okay. As soon as your dog stops vocalizing, you are going to lower the dog. You're going to release all pressure. So this is a pressure on, pressure off, very black and white cause and effect association. Your dog barks as soon at the exact moment you start saying quiet, that something unpleasant happens, that little bit of upward pressure. Okay? Okay. As soon as, and you keep repeating that quiet, 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 and you hold the dog until the dog gets quiet. And then you gently lower it, okay? Never praise the dog. Never praise the dog for being quiet. Ada, please stay on the line. We need to go ahead and take a quick break, but I want to continue our conversation about excessive barking. When we come back, don't go anywhere. I'm Will Bangura, and you are listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX. We'll be right back. Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies. Answering questions, some even ridiculous. And taking your calls. It's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free, 866-536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangura, and you are listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Do you have a crazy cat or an out-of-control dog that desperately needs some training and behavior help? Are you fed up with your pet just not listening? Well, that's 
That's what I do here in Pet Talk today. I'm here to help you deal with all of those pet behavior problems. Give me a call. Learn how to correct those unwanted behaviors. Pick up your phone. Give me a call if you're in Phoenix or the surrounding area. The number to call is 602-277-KFNX. That number again is 602-277-5369. If you are outside the Phoenix area, you can go ahead and give us a call toll-free. That number is 866-536-1100. Before we went to break, we were talking to Ada, and we were talking about her multiple dogs in her household that have excessive barking problems. And one of the things we were talking about is that when we're dealing with multiple dogs, we've got to work on extinguishing the behavior, training one dog at a time before we're going to have success with three because of timing. We can't Correct three dogs at the same time. It's going to be tough. It's like coming home from the hospital with triplets instead of having one child. It's very, very difficult. Um, so we were talking about reactively and proactively correcting the dog. And we were talking about the difference between corrections and interruptions, where corrections are something unpleasant. Now, let me be very clear. We should never do anything to our pets that causes fear, pain, or intimidation. No animal needs to experience fear, pain, or intimidation to learn. However, in life, right, there are consequences. And just as we learn by rewards, we learn from consequences. You know, it's the yin-yang in terms of how we learn, the balanced way that we learn. So, Ada, I was talking about you want to create a situation to get your dogs barking one dog, the one you're going to start working with, has a collar on, has a leash. When the dog begins to bark, you're going to put gentle upward pressure, pull up on the leash. Your dog's front paws are going to come slightly up off the ground. When that's happening, as soon as you put leash pressure, you begin that mantra, quiet, quiet, quiet. Say that quietly, too, and keep repeating it just like that. As soon as the dog stops vocalizing, Lower the dog. Take all the pressure off that leash and collar. Don't reward the dog. Okay? okay? Now, don't stop there with one correction. Create the situation again. Bait the dog. You know, maybe your husband is knocking on the door, ringing the doorbell. Um, whatever you can do. doesn't matter what you need to do to get them barking. Just get them barking. Okay. Give your dog a second chance. If your dog starts barking again, Go ahead again. Upward pressure. Same thing. Just repeat that process, okay? Okay. Now, you're going to do that up to three corrections. Now, your dog may stop and not take the bait the second time after the first correction. I don't know, okay? But if we've got – the point I want to talk about three. There's a rule of three. If we give three corrections and the dog engages the next time, the fourth time, you need to hold the dog up longer on those corrections. It's not unpleasant enough for the dog. Okay. okay. And and that's the only way you're going to know. The dog lets you know whether the correction is unpleasant enough. Do they stop the behavior? Okay. okay. Now, that's not going to stop it permanently. You've got to do that over and over and over and over again. You need to do that, you know, daily. And if you can do it two or three times a day, because it's only going to be about a two-minute exercise. Okay. Two to three minutes a day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Every day. Now, the flip side of the coin. We have to reward the dog. But the key is don't reward the dog for stopping barking when we say quiet. Don't reward that. But what I want you to do is 
when we bait the dog to bark and the dog doesn't take the bait, that's when we're going to click, remember marker training, and reward. So we're going to start clicking and rewarding the quiet behavior, the dog not taking the bait. Okay. All right. And we're going to do that both ways. We're going to have consequences and rewards. We're teaching the dog what does quiet mean. Okay. And you're going to do that for maybe two or three weeks. Okay. Then you're going to start working with the second dog. Do the same thing. Then you're going to work with the third dog. Do the same thing. Okay. When you're baiting the dogs to bark, please put the ones you're not working with up. Put them in a room somewhere out of the way so they're not a little bit confused also. Oh, okay. 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 But do you think you can give that a shot? Do you think you can try that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I want you I want you to do that. Do that this week and do me a favor, Ada. Will you do me a favor? Will you give us a call next week and report in and let us know the progress? Absolutely. I sure will. I appreciate that. You have a wonderful rest of your day, okay? Thank you you as well. All Thank right, you very Ada. much for all your advice. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. All right, we have Henry and Mesa on the line. We've got Henry and Mesa. Henry, welcome to Pet Talk today. How are you? Fine, thank you, sir. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How can we help you? Sir, when I was living in Mexico, I had uh, I noticed that a lot of people fed their dogs uh, chicken feet, mm-hmm. boiled chicken feet. Okay. Uh, after they put it in the refrigerator for a day, uh, the next day when it was cooled down and everything, uh, the, it, it was sw- the, the uh, chicken feet were tender, soft, and they were swimming in a gelatinous uh, substance. Is that is that okay to give the dogs? Well, let, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, here's the thing, Henry. There was never a kibble bush in the wild. Okay, <laughs> so the normal diet, you know, for canines, okay. Is that, yeah, they might eat a chicken, they might eat a rabbit, you know, they're gonna, and, and here's the thing. You talk about the feet? Not just the feet, Henry, they're eating the feathers and the beak and everything, the entrails. So, is it bad for them? No, it's not bad for them. Now, there's a few caveats, alright? There's nobody in the wild cooking these creatures in an oven for the dogs, okay? So they eat it raw as part of their natural diet. Cooked bones, and there's bones and cartilage in the chicken feet. Cooked bones splinter. Cooked bones can cause problems for dogs because they splinter and they can irritate their throat, their esophagus. They can irritate the lining of their stomach. It can irritate their intestine. Never, ever, ever give a dog a cooked bone, and chicken feet are that basically if you cook it. Give your dog chicken feet raw. Absolutely, you can do that. However, don't give many. A dog don't give what? Don't give many of them. Maybe give one a day at most. And the reason being is because a dog's diet should only contain about ten percent bone or bone meal in it. If your dog gets too much bone or bone meal, okay, it's going to have too much calcium. And it's really important for dogs that the calcium and phosphorus levels are in balance. And if they get too much calcium, it's going to throw things off. Okay. So there's a lot of people, Henry, that feed a raw diet, whether they do it themselves or they buy a frozen formulated raw diet. So yeah, the chicken feet are fine. Um, 
the gelatinous material that's in there, you know, when I think about that, I think, oh gosh, is that fat? Is it grease? You know, what is that? Because they cooked it, right? Well, we want to get that fat out. We don't want to give that to the dogs because um, they are much more susceptible uh, to pancreatitis. And the more fat that they get, the more apt that, uh, you know, they could possibly get uh, pancreatitis. Now, the other thing is, you know, if you give a dog raw anything, and they have been eating kibble, they might have some loose stool to begin with. They're not used to that change. You know, the body digests raw food very differently, for dogs anyway, than than cooked food. Um, there's actually different digestive juices that break it down for raw versus kibble. And so when we've got a dog that might be eating cooked food, which kibble is, and then we give them something raw, it can't upset their stomach in the beginning till they get used to it. So... Can you feed your dog, Henry, uh, those chicken feet? Yes. Should you feed them if they're cooked? No. Can you feed them raw? Yes. Your dog might get a little bit of loose stool. Um, is it good for your dog? Yeah, it might be. It might be good for your dog because they do need the bone meal. It's a, it's a wonderful, you know, treat. Um, what I would do, depending upon the size of your dog, if you wanted to give one a day, I would freeze it. And the dog gets to play around with it a little bit longer. Fantastic. How about eggs? Eggs are okay. I encourage you to give them the shell also because it's the greatest source of glucosamine and chondroitin that your dog could possibly have. Amazing. Okay. Hopefully that helps you. We've got to go. We are just about out of time. Thanks to Ada who called. Thank you, Henry. I appreciate that. Appreciate you. Appreciate the call from Ada. Everybody, be sure not to miss an episode of Pet Talk Today by subscribing to the Pet Talk Today podcast. I want to thank everybody. Thank you, Brittany, for being here. It's a pleasure to be able to help you guys. Up next is Angie Samuels for the Money Safe Money Show. We'll be back next week, folks.